Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. You know, um, 9.30 service across all of our campuses was up in every campus. And it's probably because of um, the Cowboy game at 12. <laughs> these are the real Christians who, who go to the 11.15 even when the Cowboys are playing at 12. Hey, so glad you're with us. You know I'm kidding, sort of. But we're starting a new series called Traditions. Traditions. And I'm just going to dive right in. I've got a lot to, to do today or say. And uh, here's where we're going. Here's like the roadmap of the series. Today, we're going to talk about the Apostles' Creed. How many were raised uh, reciting the Apostles' Creed in your church almost every week? Very, very, oh, okay, a lot of us. Uh, we're going to talk about that. What does it mean? How does it help us? Tradition. Tomorrow, uh, next week, we're going to talk about communion. Uh, week three, we're going to talk about penance and repentance. What is that? Uh, how does that work? Uh, week four, we're going to talk about prayer. And then week five, we're going to talk about baptism. <clears throat> some of the traditions uh, of our faith. Now, uh, we're going to recite the creed in just a minute altogether. But before we do, um, ju you know, just a little bit about the, the creed is it helps align us no matter what denomination you've come from. Most denominations can agree to the creed. It, it brings unity to a very diverse group of people for 2,000 years, and we have a culture and a style here at Hope, but you go down the street to another church, they have a totally different culture, totally different style of music, totally different style maybe of communication or preaching the gospel. So um, it, it, that's not a bad thing, by the way. Diversity doesn't mean disunity, it just means it's different. But what aligns us as the body of Christ is a theological statement that we don't know how old really it is, but it's thought to have been around the time of the apostles. We don't know that for sure. In fact, the legend goes that all 12 uh, disciples of Jesus, uh, Matthias, the one who replaced Judas, um, wrote a line, each line of the creed. Now, we don't know that to be true, but this was one of the baptismal sayings when somebody in the first, second, third century would get baptized, they would recite, and, and, and beyond that, would recite this, this creed. Now, when we uh, have recited this in the past, there is no question I'm going to get an email about a line in the creed. So before I get that email, I want to explain that line in the creed. And here's what that line says. I believe in the Holy Spirit, no problem there. The Holy Catholic Church. There's a problem there with some people, and, and you, you just have to understand that this is not capitalized, okay? And this is no slam on the Catholic Church. My family, on my mom's side, we're all Catholic, and so I appreciate and, and love the Catholic Church in, in a way, but this is small letters. Let me give you what this means. Say, it has nothing to do with the Holy Roman Catholic Church. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, the, the Catholic Church in America or whatever. This is universal. Catholic is in the Greek or in the Latin means universal. It's a sense that we all are coming from and belong to the church that the apostles started. 
Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. Thousands get saved and begins or births the church. This creed is a belonging to that church. That's all that line means. So no emails on that, right? It's all it means. So here's what I want us to do. Uh, across all of our campuses uh, and here at Frisco East, I want you to stand and we're going to recite this creed together and then we're going to talk a little bit about it uh, in just a minute. Here's the Apostles' Creed. Let's read it and recite it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Now, obviously, the creed is not an exhaustive theological statement. In other words, there's many things that we can believe about God and, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus. So, this is so to speak, some theological guardrails. If you drive or ride a motorcycle in the mountains of anywhere, uh, along the curves most of the time, hopefully, there are what we call guardrails to, if you, if you get off track, it pushes you back over or at least keeps you from going off the cliff. Theologically speaking, these, these statements are, are statements that keep us on a theological path that is healthy. There are many things that we believe about some of these statements. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but they're just not meant to be an exhaustive theological document. It's just, hey, these are things that we believe. Now, journey out what you believe about each one of these. Now, the creed helps us answer one very important question, and then it leads us to ask another one. The first question is, what do we believe? Creed gives us those statements. The second question that it begs us to ask is, why is it important to know what we believe? What do you believe? What do we believe? What is, why, why is it important what we believe? So let's start with number one, what do we believe? And let me just go through each line of this just real quick. I'm not going to give you a, a whole teaching on the creed. But the creed does help us um, lay a foundation for our doctrinal truth. The first line is, what do we believe about God? Now, this is where it all starts. God, our creator, Elohim, in the Hebrew, is that creator God, that all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient God, always present, this holy, righteous God. But then also there's the side of God we call Yahweh, another Hebrew word, which is more of a father, which is more of a compassionate mercy. It's not that Elohim is, is separated from Yahweh, but, it, but it's, it's God complete. What do we believe about God? Because what you believe about God will determine your relationship with him. 
So it's important that we understand not just recite, but we understand what do we believe about God. You see, the creed is not a, a big, big, exhaustive statement. But what it helps us do is go back and say, okay, now, if I believe in God, what do I believe about God? What do you believe about God? The next line is, what do we believe about Jesus Christ? Because what you believe about Jesus Christ determines what you believe about God. And what you believe about God determines what you believe about Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whosoever would believe would have eternal life. It's very important to know what we believe about Jesus. And the, and the creed actually goes into detail about Jesus. So strategic. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? There are many of us that get nervous when the Holy Spirit is mentioned. If you're, you're raised Southern Baptist, you really get nervous. Because you, you, the Pentecostals on the other side of the track, it's like, woo, we don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's not talk about that. And because of some of the abuses, because of some of the uh, you know, wrong teaching or, or wrong things that were done in, in the name. We have, as Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God. We're going to talk, I'm, I'm going to hold, I'm, I'm hoping to do a series next year impl- completely on the Holy Spirit because it's such an important person of the Godhead. It, 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 Jesus says, I am going to my Father, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to baptize you into the body of Christ. He's going to empower you to be a witness. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to comfort you. It is imperative to know what we believe about the Holy Spirit because he's who resides in us. He's who fills us. So important. What do we believe about the church? What do we believe about um, the coming together? The the, the, the line that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church has not been perfect as an organization, as a group of people, but the church isn't a building. The church isn't a denomination. The church is a group of people, Christ followers, the body of Christ. What do we believe about that? How important is the church to us? How important is fellowship? How important is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship? including the, uh, the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, to fellowship, and then to prayer. The church is a very important organization or family, the body of Christ. What do we believe about that? What do we believe about our connection with other believers, both dead and alive, the communion of saints, that we are indeed connected to the apostles. We are indeed connected to the apostle Paul, to the apostle Peter, to John, we are, we are connected even in the imperfection, but we are connected. There's a communion of saints. And what do we believe about our traditions in that regard and what our relationship with the church and, and who we are today and, and moving forward into the next generation? What do we believe about that? And the next line says, what do we believe about the forgiveness of sins? This is very important to know what we believe about that because what we believe about forgiveness this way determines how we forgive this way. If we can't forgive this way, how do we expect to be forgiven this way? Forgiveness is a complicated issue. Totally understand that. Easier said than done issue. However, what we believe about forgiveness is going to determine our ability 
to forgive? What do we believe about the resurrection? What do we believe about life everlasting? See, these things are more than just statements in a creed. These things are guardrails. They're a launching pad to journey now what we believe about all of these. Now, as a leader, listen, as a leader, it's so important that I'm responsible as a teacher, as a leader of this church, a pastor, that I stay within the boundaries of sound doctrine, that I don't just go out on my own, get some new revelation outside of God's word and outside of the tradition of the Apostles' Creed in that it lays a great foundation. There's not one statement in the creed that I disagree with. So, so as a teacher, Titus tells me to do this. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the, listen to this, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and be able to rebuke those. I love that line. I can rebuke you, right? No, kidding. I mean, I can, but, but those who contradict us. So, so but, but here's the thing. You're like, oh, well, John, that's you. Yeah, you're, of course I am. Of course I am. But Paul also says that every one of us should aspire to be a leader in the church. Every one of us should aspire to live this kind of life and be asked to lead, to help pastor, to help shepherd. Every one of us. He says it this way in in, uh, 2 Timothy. He says, preach the word of God, talking to Timothy. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Again, as leaders, maybe some of you lead home groups. Maybe some of you are teachers in a class or of some sort. Some of you are pastors in some way, or maybe former pastors. Well, he says, hey, make sure you're, you're, you're giving some good teaching. You're, you're staying within the, the guardrails. Jude tells us for all of us, he says this, dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to do what? To defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. There is this understanding that that we have the obligation as believers or as followers of Christ to know what we believe. And, and And the Apostles' Creed just comes alongside of us. Again, This is not to be just memorized and said over and over again as if it means nothing. But it's a theological framework, a foundation, so that we can discover and and dive into the Scripture about what we believe about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the church and the communion of saints and the resurrection and life ever after and the forgiveness of sins. What do we believe about those things? This really matters. And so instead of staying, and, and forgive this word, I don't know if it's the right word, to, I'm not calling you ignorant, but, but instead of staying in our ignorance, theologically speaking, even faith speak, instead of just staying there and saying, oh, no, no, I'm just going to let you talk to them. Well, you need, and I need to know what we believe. So Bible studies, we have all kinds of Bible studies, we have all kinds of classes, we, we offer a, 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 um, an online ministry called Right Now Media, where we, the Hope, Hope uh, Fellowship, we pay for this every single month. 
for anyone in our church to become free of charge to go online, thousands of Bible studies. You want to know about apologetics? In other words, defending your faith? You can, man, there's so many of those studies that you can go through. Almost every one of them are pretty solid. There's a few that, you know, aren't as good as others, but they're, man, they're solid. Solid teaching. You want to talk about the Gospel of John? You want to go through James? You want to go through Romans? Man, there's thousands of Bible studies. It's so easy because maybe some of you, you know, say, hey, I'm not a reader. I just don't like to read. I don't like to read the Word of God. Well, watch it. Listen to it. The U version has a, has a place where you can push the button and you can just listen in your car. Instead of listening to sports radio, you can listen to the Bible. Right? Now, sports radio is very important. Bible, sports radio. But you can listen to it. The, 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 the thing here is it's important to know what you believe in the Apostles' Creed helps us establish some guardrails and a foundation. Now, the second, the second question, which is very important, is why is it important to know what we believe? Now, this is almost as important as what we believe. And in fact, it really is as important. What do we believe and why? There are three ables that I want to give you. We should be able to, these three things. And the first one is, we should be able to explain our faith. So if somebody, uh, you know, you're getting for, you're ready for church and you're outside and you're, get, you're in your driveway and um, your neighbor's outside and they say, hey, ready for the game? Yeah, I'll be, I've got it recorded because most of us I know have it recorded. Um, be back, but uh, oh, where, where are you going? Well, we're going to church. Oh, you're going to church? Wow, where do you go? Hope Fellowship. Oh, man, I've heard great things about Hope Fellowship. That's usually what everybody says. But if that conversation were to turn a different way, what, what if, and I know nine times out of ten it never goes this way, but what if that one time out of ten it goes this way and says, you're a Christian? Yeah. And then that conversation begins to turn another way. Well, what do you believe? I mean, you go on. Are you able to explain your faith? Because a lot of us would go, hey, you know what? My pastor is able to explain our faith to you. Let me give you his email, right? Let me give you his cell phone number so that he can, he can explain it to you. And I'm not making fun of any of us that are new to the faith and, and we, you know, have a hard time understanding getting all together. It's a lot to understand. The Bible's big. I understand all that. I'm just saying that I'm going to explain this with Scripture in just a minute, but we need to be able to, this is why it's important to know what we believe so that we can explain our faith when somebody asks. Then the next able is that we're able to defend the faith if somebody refutes us. And this is so strategic and so important for high schoolers going to college that wherever you may go to college, if it's not a Christian school, even if it is a Christian school sometimes, you're going to be faced with opposition. You're going to be faced with uh, professors perhaps that will, that will say there is no God and anybody that believes in God is foolish or their faith is, is, is ridiculous and, the, and, and science uh, overrides faith and it disproves faith, you know, all those things. That, well, if, you don't, if you're not able to defend your faith, we have a whole generation that, go off, that goes off to school and they're unable to defend their faith. So they just decide, I don't believe anymore. And it breaks my heart because as parents, 
but also as a church, we're given the responsibility to teach the next generation not only that we believe, not only some traditions, culturally speaking, Christmas and Easter, but that we actually can explain our faith and we can actually defend our faith. And then the third is we're able to die for our faith if need be. Every apostle, almost every apostle, died for their faith. Died for their confession of faith. Right? They were just willing to lay down their lives. Now in America, we have been very blessed, very, very, um, um, I say blessed, to live in a country where we can talk about our faith, we can worship without any without any, now you may be made fun of, but you're not going to be thrown in jail because you worship God, because you confess Jesus Christ. Now you may be thrown in jail for stupid things you do, but not, not because you believe in Jesus, not yet. But what if it came to that? See, the way this works is you're not going to be able to die for your faith if you can't defend or explain it. If it's just a cultural thing to you in which you you know, once in a while, once a month, or Easter and Christmas, and you come, and I'm not making fun of anybody that does that. I'm so glad they do, because you never know when the Holy Spirit's going to knock on their heart's door, and their life turns around. And so I don't make fun. All I'm saying is, for those of us that are Christ followers that really know, say, hey, we, do, we believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus because I told you? Or do you believe in Jesus because you know? Does it make sense? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, let me, let me foundation this up. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have an MDiv. You need to just have a basic understanding of your faith and why you have hope and why it matters that we were created for a purpose. God created us for relationship, but sin, mistakes, disobedience led us to a disconnect between us and God. And there was this big chasm, this is like separation of relationship because of our sin and because of his holiness. But what Jesus does is he bridges that gap with his life because he lived the life that we couldn't live and he paid the price on the cross that we couldn't pay. And he gives us not only forgiveness, but he gives us eternal life. Now, there's a lot of holes to fill in that, but are you able to explain? Are you ready to explain? Colossians chapter 4, strategic verse here, because it's not just important what we say, but it's important how we say it. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, listen to this, be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. If we come as believers, if we come with a superior attitude, we come with a self-righteous attitude, with a prideful attitude, I can tell you that most people are not going to be receptive to that. And so Paul says, hey, live wisely among your unbelieving neighbors, co-workers, friends at school. Live wisely that way. Be ready to explain what you believe. Be ready to defend what you believe. But when you're defending and explaining, make sure you're gracious. Make sure that you're representing him well, not using a superior attitude or, or a, a self-righteous attitude, because no one, no one is perfect, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
that includes you who are, who's explaining it. So it doesn't make sense. So it's important that we have the right response for everyone and that we're gracious. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says it this way, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. Now I'm going to give you a few more scriptures, because, but I want to stop here and say that it is important to know what you believe, and it's important to know why you know what you believe. You're able to explain it, you're able to defend it, able to die for it if need be. But why is it important these days, right now, I think it's strategic to really, really, in the days in which we're living, to understand, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, he says there's going to be a great falling away. Some translations call it rebellion. There's going to be a, a great rebellion against the truth, against the Word of God, against God, and we need to understand that, man, why is that? Why would you and I sitting here in this room saying, reciting the creed, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Jesus, and then depart from the faith, be, or walk away from the faith because there's a rebellion and there's a great falling away. It's important these days, and here's why. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says that this way, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They're just not going to listen to it. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I don't know if we're living in the last day. I, I know we're living in the last days. I don't know if we're living in the last of the last days. People are infatuated with this idea, and I want Jesus to come. That's a part of the creed. He is coming again to judge the living and the dead. The eschatology is in the creed. However, I don't know when he's coming, but I do know, I do know that he's coming, and I want to be ready for that. But when they will reject the truth and chase after these myths, listen, they will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. I think, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. I think many of us are chasing theories and chasing myths that are sidetracking our faith. We're more worried and, and diving into the internet than we are the Word of God. And it matters. It matters that, we're, that we understand what we believe, that we don't chase this or that, but we are standing firm in the Word of God and not becoming a part of the people who will no longer listen to right teaching. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. It matters. 1 Timothy 4.1, just one more. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. I'm not trying to scare us. All I'm trying to say is, is that I see this. I see this. I see the, this, this departure from the guardrails of faith. I see this in Christianity biblical teachers who were awesome now teaching that there are other ways to be forgiven other ways to be reconciled to god off the rails that's wrong teaching i don't i don't hate them but you got to bring it in this is why it's important to know what you believe and it's important to know why you know what is what what you believe because you need to be able to explain your faith you need to be able to defend your faith you need to be able to die for your faith and here's my concern though 
Here's my concern for us. Let's just call it hope, not just the body of Christ, but my concern for hope is biblical illiteracy. If I were to ask you to turn to the book of Ezekiel, would you know where to go? If I were to ask you to turn to the book of Jude, where would you go? Would you go, uh, go to the front and go to the index? And that's okay. I mean, that's not nothing wrong with that. Some of you didn't even know it was there. There's an index that tells you where the books are. And, 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 and knowing where a book is really has no relevance to your faith. What I mean more importantly than a book is, do you understand the Bible in a basic way? And I'm worried that we're illiterate both as adults and the next generation. Now, many of us have come to faith later in life. Many of us, listen, and hear my heart on this. We were raised in a church that really did not teach us anything. We were taught traditions, but we were never really taught the Word of God, and so we don't have a, really an understanding. Okay, that's not, I mean, you can't help the way you were raised. But right now as an adult, don't stay illiterate, biblically speaking. And what really worries me is biblical illiteracy in the next generation. That the next 20s and down, they don't really have a firm grip on the teachings of Scripture. They don't have a firm grip on, on the guide rail or the guardrails of Scripture. And so they'll follow anything. They'll start following their own desires, and they'll start making up. Well, it's okay to do this. It's not a sin to do this. And it's not that I'm trying to you know, judge everybody else. I'm just saying the Scripture gives us a way to live. God created us, and He gives us a manual to say, hey, I wired you this way. I made you this way. This is how it best works. Follow these instructions. Not because He's trying to hide something from us, not because He didn't want us to have fun, but because He wants to have an abundant, us to have an abundant life. But it worries me for the next generation that they're, they're, they're maybe coming to a church, and they're going to a mission trip, and they're going to camp, and they have a feeling or even a crush on Jesus but they really don't know him. And when you get to college, you get to the real world, and they're tested, and they're refuted, many just, oh, I don't believe that anymore. And it's all because of this right here. So what are we teaching our kids in our home? What are we modeling for them in our home, but what are we teaching them? Here at the church, what are we teaching them? Does this make sense? It worries me that we don't have a, a basic understanding of our faith. It worries me about the rejection of truth, that many of us who call ourselves believers will at some point perhaps just say, no, nah, I don't believe that anymore. And my point is, it's just, listen, our faith matters. And the traditions of the church and the sense of the Apostles' Creed, all it does is just give us guide rails, a foundation to then launch into what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the Holy Spirit. This, these things matter. Because we need to be able to explain it, we need to be able to defend it, and in fact die for it if need be. But it's not just here. It's not just head knowledge, because knowledge can puff up. You ever been around those Christians who have a lot of knowledge, a lot of scripture, but they're so prideful and so arrogant and so self-righteous that you can't even stand to be around them? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm, I am saying, hey, church, Hope Fellowship, I'm responsible for this body, Let's dive into the Word of God. Let's get a biblical understanding of faith. It's not hard. It's not complicated. You don't have to be, again, you don't have to be a professor. All you need to do is be ready to explain your hope. And what is your hope? Do you even know what your hope is? Be ready to explain your hope. Be ready to explain, defend, not in a 
prideful way, but in a gracious way. That's what the creed helps us do, a, a biblical understanding. If you don't like the creed, okay, a biblical understanding, a framework, a theological framework where you can explain, defend, and even die for your faith if need be. Now, I said all that to say this. Let me go back to one line of the creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, he rose again. What we believe about Jesus is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. There's a lot of things that we can believe about God, about his character and, and the, the, the Old Testament versus the New Testament, and we can figure all that stuff out and talk about the Holy Spirit and the church. But it all centers, the whole Word of God centers on God's love and His gift for God so loved the world that He gave His Son so that we could be forgiven of our sins and so that we could have the hope of eternal life. And what we decide to do about Jesus is the single greatest decision of our lives. It's not your marriage, who you're going to marry. It's not your job. Those are all important. The single greatest decision is what are you going to do with Jesus? And maybe many of us have, we've, we've never really made Jesus um, we call it in the church world, the Lord of our lives, but we've never accepted his invitation to forgiveness. We've never accepted God's grace through what Jesus did. In other words, paying for our sin with his own life so that we wouldn't have to keep paying for our sin with sacrifices like the Old Testament, but we could enjoy what Jesus did and, and, and get forgiven of our sin, reconciled to God, forgiven. So what we believe about forgiveness really matters. And then not only that, but we have eternal life through his resurrection. The same spirit who raised him from the dead now dwells in us. See, what you believe about God really matters because what you believe about God is determining what you believe about Jesus. And what you believe about Jesus determines what you believe about the Holy Spirit because you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus, I'm leaving but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to baptize you in the body of Christ. He is going to lead you into conviction and change your life and lead you and comfort you and empower you and gift you. The Holy Spirit, what we believe about Jesus, all, all this, all this, do you see how this works together? But the single greatest decision that you can make today and in your life is what you're going to do with Jesus. And so I want you to bow your heads all across our campuses. If you would, and, and I just want you to, everyone, if you would, not look around. And I'm just going to ask you today, if you're here today, and you're ready to make a decision based on what you believe about Jesus. In other words, if you say, you know, John, I, I believe Jesus came. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he rose from the dead. And that's not a fantasy. That's not Walt Disney. I, I believe that. That's, that's your decision. 
But if you've never stepped forward, you've never accepted his invitation, I just want to give you the chance today. And then we'll give you next steps after we're going to sing a song. I love this song. But before we do, I want to give you the opportunity. If you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never made a decision about what you believe about Jesus, today you want to do that. I want you to raise your hand and say, John, I'm ready to start my journey right now. Would you just raise your hand and say, John, pray for me. I'm ready to start my decision, my journey with him. Just say, yep, I'm ready. Across all of our campuses, McKinney, Frisco West, Prosper, online. If you're ready to make that decision and say yes to Jesus, it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation. We thank you for our traditions. We thank you for your love and your grace. And for every single person that decided today that they believe in Jesus and what he did for us, God, may you bring forgiveness and grace as we repent of our sin and turn to you. God, may you give us life everlasting and life to the full. God, it matters what we believe in you. And it matters why we know what we believe. So Lord, today, may we never look at our faith in just a trivial, like cultural way. I was just raised in it. My grandpappy did it. My, my grandparents, no, 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 no. What, what do we believe? And that we'd be able to explain it. We'd be able to defend it. We'd be able to die for it if we need to. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our hearts and our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.